of Mark chapter number 2. I want to look at the first 12 verses of this chapter. We've seen Mark as he's using the word immediately, oftentimes, straightway, straightforward, uh, forthwith. He's, he is a gospel writer of action. And um, I like action too, don't you? I never want to be stagnant, amen? I don't want to be a stagnant Christian, amen? I know that he leads me beside the still waters, but they're not stagnant waters, amen? Thank God for that tonight, amen? Mark chapter number two, want to look in verse number, verse number one through verse number 12, if you have your Bibles. Mark chapter two, verse one. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Well, amen. Tonight from this text, we want to preach on this thought, a trophy of grace. Jesus has met, has been met with multitudes after healing people, People are more concerned about being healed of stomach issues and eye issues and body aches than they are about their souls being saved. And people are gathering around him for physical healings. But Jesus did not come to be a healer physically. He came to be a savior spiritually. He left the splendor of heaven to come to this earth to lay down his life that we might be saved. And if along the way, he healed a few, thank God for it. Now, he came to address our greatest need. Our greatest need is not a better standard of living. Our greatest need is not a newer house. Our greatest need is not a new car. Our greatest need is not a new job. Our greatest need is not a better marriage. Our greatest need is not better health. Our greatest need is not better financial situation. Our greatest need is to be saved from our sins, to be forgiven. And in verse number five, Jesus addressed the greatest need this young man had who was sick of the palsy. 
His greatest need was not to be relieved of his crippled, handicapped situation. His greatest need was, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. There is nothing more offensive to a holy God than our sins. There's the greatest picture, I believe, in the Bible of a sinner is a leper. Leprosy is a horrible, loathsome disease. And what it does to our body, sin does to our soul. And this young man has physical problems. He also has spiritual problems. Our sin condemns us to hell forever. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 2 and verse number 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Amen. But God, being rich in mercy, sent his son to die for our sins that we might be forgiven, that we might be pardoned, that we might be made free. Thank God for it. This paralytic man did what he could not deserve. He was going to be given what he could not earn and he's going to be given what he would never be able to come up with. Forgiveness of sins and salvation. He could not do it himself, only Jesus. He is a picture of me tonight. I want to give that picture of me as a sinner, a picture of you as a sinner. So in verses 1 and 2, we've got four or five points. Number one, they'll all start with a T-I-C, tick. Number one, the immense crowd. The Bible says in verse 1, he's come back to Capernaum. Remember, he had to leave the region because so many people were following him. He had to go to a solitary place. He had to go uh, to, out to the desert place to escape the crowds. Now, he's come back to Capernaum. I believe that it's Luke's gospel that says, or maybe it's Matthew's, that says it's his own city. Not meaning that's where he's from or where he was born, but it means that this is the headquarters of its ministry. It's on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, and there are manifold sinners around that area. And the Bible says in verse 2, he's come back to Capernaum, uh, verse 1, after some days it was noised that he was in the house. What house? Well, I believe it's referring to the house of Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 31, when he went back to Simon Peter's house and he healed his mother-in-law. I think that Jesus has gone back to that house and it's got, remember, while he was there, it was noise that he was there and everybody gathered at the door and now he's come back and it's noise that Jesus is in the house. Young people have a, a saying today that they're in the house, man. <laughs> Well, Jesus is in the house. And when it gets noise that Jesus is in the house, verse 2, there's a crowd come together. The house and its surroundings were packed out with an immense crowd. The presence of Jesus. And verse 2 tells us what he was doing. Was he having a concert? No. Was he telling jokes? No. Was he having a puppet show? No. Was he having a magic event? No. Was he having a healing crusade? No. Verse 2 says, look at it. He preached the word unto them. And when it gets noised that Jesus is in the house and the word of God's being preached, it will fill the house. 
of our souls. Amen. Amen. The Bible said so many people came. Basically, there's no more room for people to enter. There's saved people there, probably, and there's definitely lost people there. I labeled it as a a crowd of four different types of people. First of all, there are those there that are helpless, folks that are sinners, that are on their way to hell, and they're helpless to save themselves. I believe they're there to hear Jesus preach. I also believe there's in that crowd some hinderers, some people who are there to hinder the gospel. There was a young lady, she was going to um, get married, and she had three proposals at the same time. Say amen. One of them was a man who owned a dress shop. One of them was a man who owned a grocery store. One of them was a preacher. And she said, I don't know who to marry. I mean, if I marry the man who owns the dress shop, I would always be dressed for free. And she said, and then if I married the grocery store owner, I would always eat for free. But if I married the preacher, I'd be good for nothing. That's what a lot of us are. Good for nothing. And sometimes we hinder what the Lord's trying to do. Say amen. Also in that crowd, I believe there's the hellish. And fourthly, I believe there are bona fide helpers that are there and we're going to see them entering in. So number one, notice the immense crowd. They can't get in the door. They can't get in the window. The place is full to capacity and they're probably gathered all the way around the outside of the building trying to hear what he's got to say. Number two, in verses three and four, we see the impaired cripple. The Bible says in verse three, they brought him one sick of the palsy. What does that mean? He's unable to walk. He's paralyzed. He's without hope. He had no ability to move. In fact, if he has palsy, he doesn't even have any feeling in his legs. They're completely numb. The Bible says that they come unto him, bringing this one that's sick, which was born of four. In other words, four men, four people, were carrying this person on a pallet, on a bed, on a couch, on, a, on some type of a carpet, to get him to the Lord Jesus Christ. This crippled man could not come to Jesus on his own and neither could we. Well, preacher, I did come on my own. Jesus said, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. I have to be drawn of the Holy Ghost. So we were spiritually paralyzed and we could not come to Jesus on our own. I've got a helper tonight Mr. Liam is going to come help me. Mr. Liam, are you willing to come down here, son? Come on and get on the carpet down here. Come on, right down here and get on the carpet. This is going to be the paralyzed man. He's walking for now. Will you come? Come on, son. I get you. Come on. I hope you'll do it. Get me by the hand. Come on. Don't be worried about these people. They're going to be helping. Admit that You're just a picture of who they are. Liam is going to be the spiritually paralyzed. Just sit down there, son. Just lay down there, sit down there, just like that. He is, you're crippled, paralyzed. Your legs don't move, so just kind of slump down. His legs don't move. He's born a four. First of all, I'm thinking about Mr. Compassion. Why, who's more compassionate than ourselves? I guess that'll be me. Mr. Compassion is going to get one of the carpet, one of the corners of the carpet. 
Then I'm thinking about Mr. Commitment. I mean, who do you think Mr. Commitment? Seth, how about you being Mr. Commitment? Come right over here. And then there's going to be Mr. Confidence. Who, who might I get? Brother Daniel, would you come up here? Mr. Confidence, I'm talking about somebody that's got faith. He's a man of God. Now, now there's three of us got corners, but, but we're going to need somebody else because we're looking around here and we can't carry him by ourselves. If we try to pick it up, we'd dump him out that way. We're going to need somebody else. I'm thinking about Mr. Compassion, Commitment, Mr. Confidence, C, Creativity. How about you being Mr. Creativity? He's going to, so we, we picked this carpet up. Let's see if we can just pick it up. Look at that. Now, if any one of us let down our corners, he's going to fall out. And after all, at the end of the day, I just want to say that to every one of you, you need to be praying for somebody, and you need to be holding up your end of this deal. Amen? You have a job to do. And if you're not lifting this young man up and his family, if you're not lifting up one another, we're failing in the Christian walk. Say amen. Amen. And they go down there to the house to get this boy to Jesus, and when they get there, the door is shut because it's completely full. And so they look in the windows and Mr. Commitment, Mr. Confidence, and Mr. Compassion say, we've got him here, but boys, what are we going to do? We can't get him in the window. We, we can't get him in the door. And Mr. Creativity says, I got an idea. Let's go up on the roof, amen. Hey, the door committee said no. The window committee said, nuh-uh. But the roof committee said, let's go. And so listen this. Brother Liam, they took him up on top of the roof in this carpet. They took him up a ladder on up the steps up on top of this. And they, the, now listen, we got to set him down. Set him down, boys. Set him down. We've set him down. Now you're on the roof. Let's pretend you're on the roof. And we've got to take the tiles up. So we've got hammers or whatever we got to bust up the tiles. We're knocking them loose. What are the tiles probably made out of? Clay. Hard clay. What are you made out of? Dirt, clay, that's what you're made out of, amen? And guess what? When you're busting that up and breaking that up, it just symbolizes breaking up the flesh, amen. And so they're going to create a big hole in that roof to lower him down to Jesus. Now I'm thinking for a second, I'm thinking, whose house is this? Simon Peter's. He's not known for being Simon Peter the patient. He's not going to be real happy that they're breaking up the roof on his house to lower somebody he don't even know, a sinner man, down to Jesus. And if the house is full, how are they going to get him to him anyway? Oh, I just have a feeling when he starts lowering down, everybody starts backing up, don't you? Well, I got to thinking about another thing. I said I was going to be Mr. Compassion. I just want to come in tonight and tell you that I'm going to be the lame man. I'm going to be the lame man. I, I, you think about a lame man. Well, there he is. Not me, but we'll say, we'll say Liam tonight's the lame man. And then let me take a corner. Let me say tonight that I'm going to be. You remember there in Mark where he had a man in the sanctuary that was possessed with devils and he cast them out? I think I'll, I'll call myself Legion. Starts with an L. Sounds good, right? I'm Legion, right? But I've been possessed. I've been possessed, but now I got saved. I've been cleansed, and now I'm whole. So Legion comes down there and says, hey, son, we're going to get you to Jesus. He healed me. He cast the demons out. He could do what no other man could do. I got my corner. 
I know what Jesus can do. Then I'm thinking about a leper man. There was a leper man there. And, and that leper man, the Bible says he cleansed that leper man. He said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The Lord laid his hand on him and said, I will be thou clean. And now the leper takes his, his corner and he says, Liam, I want you, the, the legion and the leper man says, Jesus can do it, son. And about that time, up walks a lad. He had given his lunch to Jesus and it fed 5,000 men, not to mention the wilderness and the children, and said, Jesus is a miracle worker. I'm going to get my corner. We've got a lad and we've got a leper and we've got a legion that's all now in our right mind and we need somebody else to help us. And sometimes people say, this is never going to work. You can't get in there. You can't get into Jesus. This ain't going to work. And a man walks up. His name is Lazarus. And he says, let me testify. <laughs> let me tell you, boys, that Jesus can. A situation that looks dead, a situation that looks hopeless, he can cleanse the leper. He can take the lad's lunch and bless it. Amen. Amen. He can take the leads and cast out the demons and he can raise up the dead. There ain't nothing he can't do. Let's take the roof off this place and get him to Jesus. We see an impaired cripple. And the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith. Do you see that? Look in your Bible. What verse is that? Jesus saw their faith. What verse is that? What number? Five. Jesus saw the faith of the compassionate one. He saw the faith of the legion that had been cleansed. He saw the faith of the leper, the, the faith of the one that was committed. He saw the faith of the lad, the man that was Mr. Confident. He, he saw the faith uh, of this man that was creative and Mr. Lazarus. He saw their faith, their faith. What about his faith? He's got to have faith too. Lord, have mercy. You want to be carried around by a crowd that looks like this? <laughs> That boy right there has got a lot of faith in his preacher to sit on this carpet trusting us four to carry him around. I mean, we've made a lot. Liam, we've dropped a lot of people. We, we should have been praying for people and we dropped them. We should have been nicer to people and we wasn't nice and we didn't say the right things. Are you sure you want to trust us? He says, well, I ain't got no choice, boys. I'm down here in this matter. and Now you're sitting on the roof and about ready to fall off. And guess what we're going to do, Liam? We're going to tie ropes on it and we're going to take the roof off and we're going to lower you down little by little by little till you get down in the house where Jesus is. Look here. We still have to stay on the roof and we got our eyes peering in what the Lord's going to do. <laughs> hey, hey, don't you know there's somebody in heaven right now peering over the balcony, oh, yeah. looking down, seeing what God's going to do with the one they've been. I'm about to have a shouting spell, and if I do, I'll drop you, amen. I just want you to know, it's going to take a lot of faith on this young man's part to let us lower him down by a rope and get him to Jesus. He's got faith in Jesus too. He's got confidence in the, man that, in the men that are holding him up, but his faith, is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Your faith should not be in us four. Lord God, it should not be in us four. Your faith needs to be in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Guess what? Every single one of us are on this carpet, on this pallet, on this couch. Your youngins. My daughter tonight that's laid up in the bed. My, my boy, it's getting ready to get married. They're on this carpet. Look, listen to me. I can't do this by myself, church. 
It's going to take a village. It takes a church, amen, to raise them up and teach them in the fear and admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he do? He wasn't that Jesus was not having rope room. Jesus was not having a puppet show. Jesus was preaching the word. You get them under the sound preaching of the infallible, inerrant, inspired word of God. Amen. I'm going to let you go now, son. You, you have been... You have been excellent. Liam, don't leave. Don't leave, Liam. You've been excellent, son. Have a great day. Y'all can be seated. Thank you so much. Did you know that Gandhi said that Christianity is the one true religion? He went to the church. They turned him away at the door, and he walked away and went to a whole other denomination and got it all started kicked in high gear because he was not accepted in. What about that? These four men are bound and determined to get their friend to Jesus. I got to thinking about geese. I, I saw some, some geese here a while back. They were flying. I heard them going, as they were flying, probably headed to the lake. And they were flying in what formation? What's the formation? A V. One side of the V was longer than the other. One of the geese will take the lead for a while and after he gets a little bit tired, he falls back into formation and one of the other ones moves up from the longer side to take over the lead. Did you know that geese flying together, you need to write this down, they can fly 72% further than one lone goose can do it by himself. We need to learn how to work together in unity and in fellowship. As they lowered this man down to Jesus, I'm, I know Liam's glad I didn't put them ropes up tonight, and, and I know probably Patty and Kitty's glad I didn't cut the roof off tonight, and Brother Larry too, he'd have to put it back. But, but you know, as they, as they lowered him down, I got to think about when he came down, and everybody, everybody together collectively gasped, one, two, three. He's coming down, and guess what he's going to do? He's going to examine Jesus' person. He's going to enter Jesus' presence. He's going to experience Jesus' power. These men were resourceful. These men were determined. These men were steadfast. Number three, look at their immense confidence. When Jesus saw their faith. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please him. Do not look past this fact tonight. Now listen, every one of us had to have faith on the journey. Every one of us. Now, go back to our text. This boy, he said to him, Son, Son, capital S, Son. What does that mean? Welcome to the family. You've been adopted. You've been born into the family. You've been adopted into the family. One day you'll be married into the family. Amen. Three ways to get in the family, the Lord showed me. Son, he says, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus did not rebuke him. He didn't say, you get back up there. He didn't provoke him. He received him just as he was. This man had spiritual defilement. He had spiritual deficiencies. And he also had spiritual depravity. And Jesus said, thy sins be. Be, B-E, B-E. What tense is that, that verb? Present. Present tense, your sins are forgiven right now. Amen. Sins, plural, are forgiven, taken away. Right now, they're gone. 
Hallelujah. My sins gone by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What we could not do for ourselves, Jesus has done for us. We were plagued by inability. We were completely impaired. Number four, thank God for this boy being saved. Y'all say amen. He's saved. Amen. Number four, there's the imminent conflict. Whenever Jesus is doing something good, the devil's going to try to do something bad. Right in the middle of the situation. Look with me in verse number six. Look at the conflict. Let's see the attendance of the critical. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there. Now, now I thought that was amazing because if, if that crowd is gathered to hear Jesus preach, I don't know that they're all really sitting down. Usually in their day, the teacher sat down and the people stood up. Boy, I wish it was that way today. <laughs> Just kidding. But that's the way it was. These experts, these scribes are experts of the law. They're sitting down. They're in a relaxed, reclined position. They're, they didn't even get up. They didn't even stand up when a boy got lowered down through the roof. That wasn't even enough to get them up. That wasn't really enough to get their attention. Hinderers in the church, people that are hellish. You know what got their attention? They started reasoning in their hearts. Look with me. We're talking about, look at their accusation. The accusation of the cynical. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? In other words, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God only? Well, that's true. Only God can forgive sins. And what they're thinking is, well, who is this Jesus dude anyway? What's he Saying he's God? Honey, yes, he is God. He's the son of God and he is the only one that can forgive sins. Amen? Because sin is committed against God ultimately. Let's think about it for a second. Seth, stand up here. Come over here to the other side of this man. Now, let's, let's just say me and Seth we was going to have a good, we were playing around, having a good time, and all of a sudden I got mad, and I hauled off, and I busted Seth in the nose. Boom, and he's bleeding, I maced his mouth, and I went away huffing and upset, mad. Brother Jim, get back up. Stand right there and look at Seth. And say, Seth, I'm sorry you got hit in the mouth. Okay, that's great. Jim apologized to Seth. But does that help? Why? Because Jim didn't hit Seth. I did. Thank you, brother. Amen. You see, I'm the sinner. I'm the one that did wrong to the Lord. I'm the one that needs to get right. You don't need to get right about my sins. You don't need to confess my sins. You need to be confessing your sins. When sin's committed, it's committed against God. Amen. Who can forgive sins but God also? Thank you, Seth. You can sit down. So they're exactly right, but they've not recognizing who Jesus is. Isaiah 118. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Why? Because only he can forgive sins. So we see the attendance of the critical. They're always here. And we see the accusation of the cynical. They're always around. Number five, and I'm done. Look at the immediate command. And immediately, what does that mean? Instantly, when Jesus perceived in his spirit 
that they had so reasoned within themselves. In other words, he knew their thoughts. He knew their intents. He knew their motives. He said to them, I mean, they're thinking in their hearts, who is this guy? That wasn't right. I don't like him. He knew what they were thinking. And out loud he says to them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now just think about it. There said this young man named Liam. And if the Lord had sat there and Liam had come down and he had said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. How can you and I know that God forgave his sins other than what we heard him say? We can't physically look at it and tell. I mean, I don't see that there's really been any change in the situation. You can't look at it and see. So is it easier to say, thy sins be forgiven, or to say to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up thy bed, and walk? Everybody can see that. Well, here's the thing. Jesus can see what nobody else can see. When you and I looked at Liam, we saw a young man that was a, a paralyzed, crippled young man. That's what we saw. We saw physically. We didn't see his heart. We didn't see his soul. We didn't know what was going on inside. All we saw was the physical. But Jesus looked at him, and he looked beyond the physical. What he really needed was not just physical healing. He needed a spiritual healing. He needed his sins to be forgiven. Son, thy sins be forgiven. Jesus saw what nobody else could see. They're still looking for the miracle of the boy to walk. Jesus has already healed him. Greater healing. He's healed forever. His sins are forgiven. But whether it's easier to say, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee, or rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Bible says, verse number 11, I say unto thee, no, verse 10, that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Hallelujah. Son of Man, interesting, not Son of God, Son of Man. He came to earth to take upon himself your sins, man's sins, the Son of Man, the perfect man, uh, the God-man, to take your sins and mine and put them upon himself and lay down his life that we might be saved. The Bible says he has the power. That means the authority. Uh, he has the right to rule. Amen? As a man, he has the right to rule. He says to this boy, Arise, verse 11, take up thy bed, go thy way into thine house. And everybody sat there and thought, Huh. Verse 12, there's our word again. Immediately. Instant. Listen, that boy wasn't healed progressively. He didn't need these four to pick him up and drag him across the floor and say, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Immediately, honey, he got up, took up his bed, amen. He said, well, I don't want to leave a mess at Simon Peter's house. I'll just go on my own way, amen. Wow, glory. Thank God for what Jesus has done for me, amen. I ain't going back to this old man. I ain't going back to this old bed. I ain't going back to my old ways, honey. Jesus has changed my life. I think I'll go back and see my family and rejoice in what God has done. Hallelujah to God. We're out of the carpet.
bearing business, amen. We're to be lifting up, walking around, fellowshipping for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a trophy of grace. The crowd, you know, the hinderers and the hellish and the helpless, they're sitting there, what'd they say? They were amazed. They glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Woo, hallelujah to God. We've never seen anything like this. In conclusion, there was a chaplain on a battlefield and a young man was mortally wounded with a shot and the chaplain held the young man's head in his hands and the blood was ebbing from his body. The boy looked up and said, Chaplain, will I live? And the chaplain said, Son, are you a Christian? And the boy said, Yes, sir. At the age of 13 years old, I walked to the altar and asked Jesus to forgive my sins and to save my sin-sick soul. He said, That was the greatest day of my life. And the chaplain said, Well, then, my son, you will live. You'll live forever. For Jesus said, Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. <laughs> Amen. Do you see then our job, these four that were getting that young man to Jesus? We have a job to do. I want to share with you a little story and I'll be done. A preacher by the name of A.C. Dixon was preaching in a Bible conference and the moderator, they went out to eat when it was over the first night. He's going to be preaching all week. And he asked the moderator, he said, tell me about your salvation experience. He said, well, it's interesting. I was visiting a relative in Sydney, Australia, and I was walking down George Street, and a little white-haired man gave me a tract and said, son, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And I got to pondering what that man said, and I read that track, and I got saved later. The same preacher, A.C. Dixon, was in Atlanta at a convention of 1,000 Navy chaplains, and he asked the moderator in charge, he said, tell me about your salvation experience. He said, well, I'll tell you. He said, I was a lost sailor, and we harbored in Sydney, Australia. I was walking down George Street, and a little white-haired man walked up to me and gave me a track and said, son, if you died today, would you go to heaven? He said, I knew I was lost. I read the track, and I want you to know I got saved. The preacher left there and went to a missions conference of 5,000 people in India. He said to the moderator, he said, sir, can you tell me about your salvation experience? He said, I was a lost Hindu practicing sinner. I was in Sydney, Australia. I was walking down George Street. A little white-haired man walked up to me and handed me a track and said, Son, if you died today, would you go to heaven? I knew I wouldn't. I read the track and I got saved. A.C. Dixon flew home to London. He was speaking in a minister's conference in Keswick and he told the story about this little white-haired man and the people he was meeting. When the service was over, four elderly pastors came to him after the service and said, 25 and 30 years ago, one by one, we were lost sinners in Sydney, Australia, walking down George Street, 
And a little white-haired man gave us a tract and said, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And all four of us, one by one, got saved. Eight months later, A.C. Dixon was asked to speak in Grashmere, which is a suburb of Sydney. And he asked the pastor if he knew about a little white-haired man that lived on George Street. He said, I do. He said, his name is Mr. Frank Jenner. He doesn't do it anymore. He's too old and frail, but he's still alive. He said, can I meet him? Two nights later, they went to his apartment, knocked on the door, and a little frail man asked him to come in. He made him tea, but he kept shaking so much, he spilled it on the floor. A.C. Dixon asked him, he said, I want to tell you something, son, about all these people I've met that's gotten saved and, and what a difference you've made in their life. And, and, and what was it? That, and the old man began to cry and he said, my story goes like this. I was on a warship. My life fell apart. I was paralyzed as a sinner and I was in terrible shape. I was in such a burden that a man I hated who was a Christian that came and told me about Jesus. He led me to Christ and my, day, my life was changed from that day forward. He said, I was so grateful to God. I said, God, I want an everyday witness to 10 people a day. I wasn't always able to do it, but I was paranoid about it. And for 40 years, I've handed out tracts on George Street at least 10 a day. And he said, there's been hundreds and hundreds of people, but mostly rejections. I didn't think anybody listened to me. This is the first time in 40 years that I even heard one of them got saved. A.C. Dixon said, if you witnessed two, at least 10 people a day, sometimes more, in these 40 years, you've given away more than 146,000 tracts and there's no telling how many people may have gotten saved. Some of these missionaries that you won have won thousands. Some of these preachers that you've won have won thousands. Honey, I'm just telling you that if even tonight it makes a difference in a young person's life to tell them about Jesus, honey, you've changed their world, amen. Hold up your end of the pallet. Hold up your end of the prayer request. God is interested in taking someone's life and turning them into a trophy of grace. Why, when I look around tonight, I see some lives here that you are poor, decrepit, depraved sinners, miserable, hot gut, on your way to hell, and somebody prayed for you. Somebody told you about Jesus. And when the Holy Ghost witness to you, you bowed by a bedside or an old-fashioned altar and you said, Jesus, would you receive me? Jesus, would you forgive me? Jesus, would you make me your child? Would you save my soul? And every single one of us that would ask him, he saved us, amen. And we may not look like much, but he's turned us into a trophy of grace that will enter into the portals of heaven for all of eternity, a place that sin and the devil cannot get to. Are you getting my drift? We are a trophy of grace. Hallelujah. You stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Seth, come play. There may be somebody here to say, you know what? I want to take Liam and I want to get my corner of the pallet and I'm going to pray for Liam. I've got a family member on my heart. 
I'm going to do my part. Maybe there might be two or three or four others gather around and say, that's my grandchildren. That's my babies. That's my children. That's my, that's my wife. That's my family. You'd come and say, God, I don't want to let my quarter down, God. Would you save those? Lord, we've got to do what we've got to do if we have to take the roof off the place to get them to Jesus. I want to be willing. Do you need to bow and thank him tonight? Do you need to bow and say, oh God, I want to do my part. Father, tonight as we bow in your presence, we give you glory and honor. First, because you're God. Second, because you sent your son who loved us. Third, because you have redeemed us in giving your life for us and being raised from the dead. Lord, I want to thank you for that carpet that we was on, that pallet. I want to thank you, Father, that somebody prayed for us. Somebody got us to a gospel preacher. Somebody got us under the word of God, under its preaching, under its teaching. And our life has been forever changed. And I give you glory. And I give you praise, sir. Now, Lord, since you've changed my life, and now I'm no longer a spiritual cripple, but you give me the ability. Think about it. That boy was lowered down through the ceiling, but he left carrying a carpet. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray you'd help us, Lord, that we're not spiritual cripples anymore, but God, we'd take up the carpet for somebody else and get them to Jesus. Help us, God, to be faithful. Help us, God, to be determined. Help us, God, to be compassionate. Help us, God, I pray, Lord, that we would be confident. Help us, God, that we would be committed. And help us, God, we'd be creative. Because we know what Jesus has done for us, He can and will do for others. Lord, I praise you and I honor you tonight. Lord, how could I possibly, Lord, little old feeble me, be a trophy of grace? It blows my mind. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I give you praise, honor, and glory. And for this I pray in Jesus' name. Save souls, Lord. Amen and amen. Woo! Hallelujah.